Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Mechanics. I'm Katie, and with me, as always, is... Hey, everybody, what's going on? It is Jason. We are back. We are back from the brink of death. We have fought COVID and lived again. Twice. Twice. We are undefeated. We are undefeated. (laughs) COVID zero, Katie and Jason, dose. Yep, that's true. I'll take that record. This is a good record. No, I will too. Um, I now feel basically indestructible. Like a a nuclear apocalypse could happen right now and it would be me, Twinkies, and cockroaches left because I can withstand anything. (laughs) And me too. I don't know. You're you're kind of weak sauce. (laughs) It was touch and go there for a while with you. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. I... (laughs) We, we did make it out alive, though, which is nice. Um, we're on the mend. Everybody's starting to feel a little bit better, which is even better. Because, man, being tired and hot and all that mess is terrible. Yeah. And this time it was our kids' fault, this little germ factories. It's true. <laughs> You're not wrong. But they're doing better, and we're doing better. And we're sorry that we missed out last week, but we were in a in not great way <laughs> last week. Yeah, we could have done it. It would have just been more editing, and I was feeling lazy. So um, that's why we didn't do it. We would have dropped from pretty okay to just okay, and I don't know if we can let our quality go that low. Nope. We got to keep the, We gotta maintain where we're at right now. Maintain pretty okay. That's what we're here for. So thanks, everybody. And several of you like, sent us well wishes, and that's like the sweetest thing ever. And I felt like a total celebrity when Jason told me that Jamie Stegmeyer heard that we were under the weather last week and i was like what yeah he sent us an email it's like hey i hope you guys are feeling better <laughs> i was like whoa it's mr stiggs and mr. then stiggs is talking to us it, it like takes podcasting to a whole new level when you're like oh people actually <laughs> listen like real people i mean you guys are real people but it's not like i'm directly talking about you and your games and your livelihood I mean, I could talk smack about it, I guess, but... I mean, we talk about Canada. That's some people's livelihood. You're the one that talks negative about Canada. I have nothing but love for the Great White North. I was just also thinking about how Canada helped me answer a Jeopardy question because some of the song lyrics from Oh Canada were on a category last this past week, and I knew it. Nerd. Oh. Okay, when I go on there and win millions of dollars, <laughs> you're getting none of it for that comment. <laughs> That's fine. (laughs) You all heard it here. If any of you would like a part of my Jeopardy millions, (laughs) you let me know. You can take Jason's place. (laughs) For better or worse, for Jeopardy winnings or not, that's in the the vows. You just threw my Jeopardy (laughs) trivia loving heart on the ground and stomped on it. I did. You have no one to blame but yourself. That's true. You're right. Speaking of millions of dollars... I found a really interesting news bit this week, maybe because I am a nerd. Um, Normally, I talk about games that are on Kickstarter, and I will talk about some. But I saw an article about Kickstarter. It's a little meta. It's on Polygon.com, which I don't visit there often. It popped up on my Google recommended articles. But it was talking about um, Kickstarter being like tabletop games are a huge portion of Kickstarter right now. And there's some concern about them shifting to this whole blockchain thing, which I don't understand. Don't ask me to explain it to you. I have no idea. I don't even care about that. I didn't even know about it until I read this article. But inside this article, the most interesting thing was the top 10 most funded tabletop Kickstarters of 2021. And I'm like, dude, this is super interesting. Um, And actually quite a few of them 
are TTRPGs, which I think is awesome, even though I don't get to play them because Jason hates fun things. Um, but I th- Yeah, it's true. I do. I thought maybe we'd talk about the top 10. So the most funded Kickstarter, tabletop Kickstarter 2021 was Avatar Legends, the role playing game. And that sucker raised nine and a half million dollars. Nuts. Um, on the, I think Kickstarter gets like twenty percent of that too, so they're not they're pretty happy about that. Oh, I did not know that. That yeah, they they get some percentage of the total money that is raised. Um, there's several on here. I don't like The Witcher Old World, eight point three million, which makes sense because I mean, The Witcher is back with a vengeance because Henry Cavill is a babe. I mean, also he is a babe. <laughs> also, really people is. like The Witcher in general. The video game is huge following and stuff. So, and the books. No, it's because of Henry Cavill. Come on. <laughs> well, I mean, that's why I love it. <laughs> um, the Binding of Isaac Four Souls Requiem is actually a big expansion to the Binding of Isaac, which Jason mentioned to me was a card game. I know nothing about it, but it raised almost $7 million on Kickstarter. The first one I have heard of is Marvel United X Men, which I believe I ranted about because I'm like, I want the X-Men to play in Marvel United, but I already have the game Marvel United. So why should I have to buy a whole nother game? But many people disagree with me because that campaign raised almost $6 million. That's incredible. That is nuts. I know. And the thing is, I love X-Men, so I get it. I totally would want it. But why can't I just buy like the little figure and the cards to put in my game? If CMON can raise $6 million on a Kickstarter... That means you no longer need to kickstart your stuff. That's what that means. Well, and then that's the thing. I think it changes Kickstarter. The function of Kickstarter is not always been seen as actual crowdfunding where people don't have the funds. It's really something that has marketing appeal. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's a pre-order system and hype machine now. Yeah. I mean, I still talk about it. So, you know, I'm I'm feeding the machine, man. That's true. Uh, number... Five is Everdell, the New Leaf, Mistwood, and the Complete Collection that hold the expansions and set raised $4.8 million. Monster Hunter World, the board game from Steamforged, raised $4.8 million. Pixels, Electronic Dice, Light Up Dice, $3.5 million. That's impressive, actually, for a non-board game, really. I thought that was really interesting. Um, Zombicide, Undead or Alive, which I mentioned where Zombicide kind of took Got the Western treatment. Again, Simon making $3.3 million. Uh, Dungeon Alchemist, almost $3 million. And the final one in the top 10 from Academy Games, which I think is interesting, Stellaris Infinite Legacy, $2.5 million. That's crazy. That's a lot of money in 10 games. That is a lot of money. Now, I think there are some like indie stuff that has come out on Kickstarter. Um, it's doing a fantastic job and... It makes sense to use it. I mean, I don't. Now I know real people listen to us, so I don't want to like bash Simon necessarily. But no, we can bash him. It's fine. I know nobody pays us. What do we know? Uh, I just feel like Kickstarter is a tricky thing to navigate in all kinds of ways, both as someone who is putting games out there and hoping to get them backed, and as the people who report about them and potentially back them. It's 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 an own separate animal, and it looks like it's going to be undergoing changes. So it's just amazing what crowdfunding can do. So that's one piece of news. 
my boring nerdy numbers, which I'm not a numbers person. So you you left brain numbers people, you're welcome. I mean, I don't think you have to be a numbers person just to understand that there's a lot of power in Kickstarter and a lot of money that flows in and out of that thing. So be a blockchain or whatever, I think to just turn your back on Kickstarter if you're a publisher is dumb. Like consumers may hate it. Like I hate that Simon does that because I think it's jerky and they need to do their own thing and let other people have Kickstarter. But I understand why they do it. It's like printing cash. You put a game out that you that you've already released with different shape minis, six million dollars. And then there's people like me that I don't follow like a ton of publishers like super closely, so I don't always know what games are coming out. And unless I see it at a con or something, I don't know unless I catch it on Kickstarter. So I can see why marketing-wise, it makes sense to put things on there because people are checking it out on a regular. Yeah, I I get it. I just, some of the bigger companies annoy me, but I understand the appeal for sure. Okay, so speaking of Kickstarter, let's talk about some games that are on there. And actually, um, I think both studios that are making these publishers are making the games I'm talking about today are small. The first one is from Cat Haven Games, which this is their first game ever. And it's like a husband and wife duo. And it's a game that started as an inside joke, which I am all about. And the game is called Trading Post. Now, this game looks like my type of game. And at first you're like, eh, it's just cards. But in this game, you're setting up the best trading post. So in order to do that, you have to explore different lands to have resources, to also have places to build blueprints of these things that you want to have in your trading post. So trading post, I always come to think of it as like a specific building. But really, a trading post can have multiple types of buildings because it's like a center um, where people can come to trade. Um, Generally in a, a more frontier type area so um you can have stables and taverns and those kind of things so in this game you're exploring lands so you have lands that you're working with and developing you've got blueprints that you're building and then all those work together for some in-game bonuses but the cool thing is like your buildings then are what help you kind of gain more points because it's gold because you know you want to Make some gold because it's a trading post. Trade needs to happen. So everyone gets like a master set of blueprints, like a unique building that's unique to you that you can kind of start off your trading post with. And you're going to explore to get um, resources. Those places give you victory points as well. Then you're going to get different kinds of um, what those resources you are going to use them to actually build things. You can also trade things because a trading post game so you've got a little like player board that you're laying all your lands and stuff out on um so you can trade with the bank you can trade with other players which some people don't love but you don't have to there's also the, the bank option which just isn't as efficient necessarily you're building these cards and so you get this kind of tableau going where um different cards are going to give you different in-game points and so again you're just trying to generate the most profitable trading post. And they're like end of game cards. They're continuous effect cards. They're once per game cards, once per round. So you've got all these cards that are being played and that you're able to build and utilize as you're gathering resources, trading resources. Um, there's some like kind of action and conflict cards. Maybe there's a thief. Um, maybe you can make a great deal that helps you play as you kind of fill out your little trading post game mat. It just sounds like a basic tableau builder, 
But I, I really like those. So if you like those two, check on Trading Post. It's for two to six players. There are nine days left on the Kickstarter, and the base pledge is 39 bucks. Well, that's not bad. That does sound kind of interesting, really. Like, it's a nice little card game to chill out and have fun with. Yeah, the art's cute. It just seems like a... So what's the inside joke? I don't... I don't. Did they explain it? Yeah, it's based around, like, they played um, Citadels. And in Citadels, there's a card called Trading Post. And it's a building that doesn't really have any value. But for some reason, like, everyone in their friend group loved that card. And they would fight over who got to build the Trading Post. And then um, they're like, hey, you should make a board game designed around the trading post. So that's where it came from. Yeah. So that's trading post. The next game is um, from Portal Dragon, which has made other games. Palm Island. Yes. And this game is is no exception because John Metling is on it. But also it is co-designed with... Jonathan Gilmore. Oh, nice. Who has a lot of claims to fame. Dead of Winter, Dinosaur Island. Um, yeah, yeah, he's, he's a pretty big deal. He's just kind of a big deal. <laughs> this game is called Collab and, or Collab, Collab, no, Collab. And apparently it's a relaunch. So I, I don't know if it was launched before. I don't know anything about it except this time. The tagline for this is Mad Science Competitive Dice Worker Placement Tableau Engine Building Game for One to Four Players. That speaks to Whoa. me. Yeah. That sounds awesome. <laughs> it sounds awesome. The artwork, also awesome. So in this game, you are like a mad scientist and you are sending out minions onto the board to collect resources. You get dice to use, like resource dice. Um and you're collecting these things in order to be able to make potions, to create monsters and these devices. And you arrange them in like this kind of in a tableau. But the neat thing is the way you arrange it actually um, matters because your cards then can generate extra power based on what they're next to. So you want to really like create this grid that allows you to use these adjacent cards to enhance the abilities of the cards that you have. Um, and so you're playing until you complete 12 cards in this grid. And so you send your minions out to kind of do your bidding. And in the deluxe edition, which I would most, I would want to back. We're not going to either way, but it's cool. Um, these little minions like hold the dice inside them. They're so cute. So they go onto like a tower space and they can get you cards, potion tokens, dice, and then you send out your mad scientists to different places on the board to actually um, complete, like put together, build cards. And you can use whatever dice are adjacent to the spot that you're using, whether they're your minion dice or someone else's. So there's a lot of really neat things that are is going on in this game. I I think it looks ridiculously fun. There, it looks like there's a really great solo mode as well, specifically done for this. So if you like mad scientists like great art um anything by jonathan gilmore and metling check out collab 11 days off on that kickstarter it's 45 bucks for the base game which gives you like these cardboard sandies and these little cardboard standing minions that hold the dice but the deluxe edition is 60 dollars, and the minions are amazing the player miniatures are really cool Oh, it's so worth it, I think. So check out Collab. Yeah, I saw Rado post a video on this, and I was like, eh, 
Doesn't look like my jam, but now that I'm looking at the pictures, man, that does look really good. It does. It is totally your jam. I could see we're looking at it like it's bright colors and it's got these miniatures and you're yeah. like, what? Yeah. What? What is that? It looks like a battle game looking at the picture. Right. And that's it's, what I, I it's see. It's totally not. Yeah, that's cool. Look at those minions are sweet. Yeah, you share the laboratory, but then you have your own engine in front of you with those cards that you're trying to build in a grid. Sweet. Looks sweet. Yeah, it does. That's cool. I like that one. Check it out, babe. I know you're not going to back it, but. I will look at it, though. I'll watch Rado's video, see what he has to say. <laughs> I'll look at it. I won't buy it. I'll look at it from afar. I'll admire it from afar. If you ever wonder what shopping with Jason is like, it's kind of like this. I'm like, ooh, look at that. Isn't that really awesome? He's like, yep, let's look at it. Okay, moving on. <laughs> yep, that's, that's accurate. That is not even an exaggeration. It is, that's accurate. No, it's legit. <laughs> Just so you all know. Uh, and that's all I have for crowdfunding. <laughs> More I should change it to like name like games that Katie will never own but just likes to talk about in window shop anyway. All right, so let's talk about some games that we played. We got a few games played last week or two, <laughs> however long it's been. It's been a minute. It feels like here. it's been almost years. I have no idea what day it is. I don't know what the date is. It's Wednesday, but that's beside the point. Oh, okay. Um, so we're going to talk about three. The first one we're going to talk about is a game that it's not really a game. It's kind of an activity, I guess, but it's called Micro Macro Crime City Full House. So this is the sequel to Micro Macro Crime City, which we also have, but we haven't played yet. And effectively what you're doing in this is you are looking in this around in this big paper mat. That's full of black and white drawings of buildings and cars and different kinds of people, different little little people. And you're trying to solve these crimes that are on these cards. The cards are going to give you clues. You're trying to hunt those down on the, uh, the mat. And then you may have to end up working backwards by following this little character around to see like why they stole a car or why they set this building on fire or what kind of, that kind of thing. So you're basically using this like Where's Waldo style mat to solve, I think there's like 20 crimes in each of the boxes. That's it. That That's what you're doing. But man, it's fun. The mat is huge too. It takes up, we have the table in our back room. I don't know. It's like maybe four feet long. It takes up the whole table. It's a big mat. Um, and, you know, I wouldn't play this with probably more than three people because <laughs> getting a bunch of people around the table looking at stuff is going to get kind of chaotic and hectic, but... Uh, we played it. Our little one was kind of helping. She was just mostly just being in the way. But she was in here looking at the pictures with us and using the magnifying glass. But it's really fun. It's enjoyable. I, I really like Where's Waldo, and that's kind of what it feels like to me with a little bit of a mystery element to it where you're, like, following the little people around and seeing where, you know, their little perfect world goes awry or they get killed or whatever. It's just It's just interesting, and it's fun, and I can't wait to dive into some more cases. So how do you feel about this one? When you start and you're like, well, it's like an activity, not really a game. It's like totally downplaying it and making it sound like it's not worthy of consideration. But it is really fun. Well, it's not a game as in like there's no points and you're not like, you know, rolling dice or moving workers around. You're just looking at this map. It's a it's a game in the same way that Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective is a game. Well, it's a game to me because the winning is solving the case and I will not rest until I solve the case. That's true. You're right there. You're right. And I, it is really fun. Like um, the problem with this is, I know we have um, several people in the Riveted that really care about games being like visually accessible, 
and this is difficult. Oh, no. This If you have bad eyes or something like that, yeah, it's not going to be your jam. And even, like, just bad lighting. We um, That's true. Ha- like, use flashlights to really highlight, because it's, it's white paper with little black cartoon figures, but they are very small. And that's also why more than a couple people is not a good idea, because you really got to get up close <laughs> to see what's going on. But I think the concept is so neat. Um, there's like sets of cards that come with each case that kind of walk you through the case. They say, okay, um, there is a robbery at this place in town. So like your first clue may be go find the location of the crime. So you have to find it on the map. And you're like, okay, oh, I see. Here's a jewelry store and there's broken glass. So this must be where the robbery happened. And then it's like, oh, uh, the suspect uh, fled on foot with a to the subway to the subway, to the subway. so then you gotta like like oh okay let's see and like can you find him at the subway what train was he getting on or whatever so you have to like figure out well where the heck is the subway station because nothing's labeled in this thing and how do i play and then you try to place the person that you saw at the break-in at the subway and making sure the same like it just is a really neat concept i i think it is really fun i part of me wants to color in the people but you have to like have continuity between characters and yeah, that would that would mess it up, I think. <laughs> no, but the black and white, I'm like, this is just begging to be a coloring page. But that's kind of what it looks like. But it's a huge, oversized coloring page. But it's a fun thing. It definitely is something that you can like. If you're just hanging out with a friend or two, you know, you can say, okay, here's the case, and it's almost like putting together like a jigsaw puzzle. Like, oh, let me look over here in this corner, and oh, I found the subway or. Well, this guy looks like this. Do you see it over there? Like, I just think it's a, it's a fun, relaxed thing, and I like the that. Then you sometimes really do have to use deduction and say, okay, here's what I'm seeing. What does that mean? And how does that help me solve the case? So I, I had a lot of fun with it. I'm excited that there's still more cases to do, and that we have the first one that I didn't even know existed because I just saw the second one first. And you all know how I am about knowing what games are out. So. <laughs> I really, really like this game. Yeah, this is one of those games, too, where a case doesn't really take that long. So, you know, you get it out, you run through a case, like, let's do another one. You do that one, and let's do another Mm -hmm. one. I think we did, like, four or five back to back to back, just because, you know, they're short, and it's fun. It's enjoyable. We spent 45 minutes playing this game and just had a good time. So, yeah, I really liked it. I I figured I would like it because, like I said, I like Where's Waldo. But I wasn't sure how you would feel about it because it's not like super deep or anything. But but there's enough. There's some deduction to it. There is like crime solving. I I do really like it. All right. So the next game we played is a Feld game, and I wanted to make sure we had enough games to talk about here. So I talked Katie into playing this one, and this one's called Aquasphere. Uh, it was on my top 100. Katie never played it, so what better time than when you're dying? So we played <laughs> this game. Um. So this is. A fell game where you're taking on the role of a scientist in this underwater aquasphere. You're trying to clear the aquasphere of octopods that are taking over. You're trying to get crystals because when you score points on your aquasphere, you got to have a crystal to put it in front of the laser so it doesn't burn you up. Uh, You're trying to program robots to get submarines to come down to the aquasphere. And you're also controlling an engineer who's going to be the one programming the robots. Where was all this theme when you explained the game to me? Because none of this you mentioned. I never explained the theme. And I don't even know if that is the theme. I just, there's no theme in the book, I don't think. That was just me coming up with it off the top of my head. But effectively what this game is, is it's a area control game, kind of. You're trying to control the different areas. There's six different uh, pods on the aquasphere. 
and you're going to get points if you can control the most. And you're also going to get points for putting submarines down. You're going to get points for um, getting robots out on the board. You're going to get points for collecting octopods and crystals, filling out your whole laboratory with a bunch of different letters. Because when I build an underwater laboratory, I need to make sure it has letters in it. Um, Alphabet's important, man. Yeah, that's true. It's a failed game. It's point salad, but the points are still pretty low. I think we might have gotten past 50. Yeah. You don't get a ton of points in this because if you don't get gems, you're going to lose points because you can't get past that threshold. There's a lot of negatives if you can't fight off octopods. A lot of stuff. A lot of points you get, but a lot of points you lose. And it's, I still like it. It's a it's a good failed game, and it looks it has nice colors and cool meeples too. So what did you think about Aquasphere with your first play? Um, Based on my first play, it was okay. Um, it would not make my top 100. I don't know if it'd make my top 200. I would play it again, but not by my own choice. Um, I just felt like, and again, like sometimes good games are this, are this way where you feel like you don't have enough actions, but I felt like I didn't have enough actions to even be successful in any way. Um, so that's really frustrating as someone playing. Um, I also find the crystal thing frustrating because you can only make to a certain point threshold. If you don't have a crystal, then you can't go past that. I, I do hate that part too, honestly. I, I don't like that part. But I guess if you work it to your advantage to where if you're going to lose points and you keep it in that threshold, then maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. It was all right. It was all right. I think the bits were cool. It was actually rather colorful for a game that we have. Um, uh, for a Feld game, right. for sure. It's really colorful, yeah. I don't think Merlin looks bad. No, Merlin and Aquasphere are probably a few of the exceptions that are not like tan and beige and all that Bonfire stuff. Bonfire, too. Oh, yeah, that's true. But it, it would it definitely did not does not make my favorite Felds. Not even my top five. But I it's li- okay. I like it. It's okay. I finally checked it off the list. It's true. I probably need to erase it off the board. Mm-hmm. Cool. I'll do that. Um, the last game we're going to talk about is actually a game that I found on eBay that I wanted to play with our youngest, but Katie's played a few games of this and yeah, we actually played it with some of our adult friends, which is funny too. Uh, and this game is called, who was it? (laughs) And, um, yes, you need those extra O's in it because they are in the title. (laughs) They are in the title. This is a Reiner Knizia game. From Ravensburger. Weird. And I was watching a review, a top 100 of this guy that I watched named Matt Wilkins. And this was in his top 100. I was like, man, that looks really freaking cool. And the reason that I thought it was cool, because it has an electronic jewelry box that basically runs the game for you. And we all know that I love a game with a gimmick and electronic stuff. So I thought, ooh, like Mall Madness, but for kids, this is awesome. I'm going to check it out. So we got it. I played it with uh, the youngest. Just me and her, we played it on easy and we got slapped around. Then Katie came in and she played it on easy with us and we won. Then we played it with our friends on medium and we won. So what this game is, is it's a, you're taking on the role of these little kids. You're traveling around this castle looking for this ring that was stolen. It's a magical ring. Someone in the castle stole the ring. So you're moving around from room to room, talking to these animals to find clues of maybe who has a key um, you want to know what kind of fruit or food that they want so you can feed it to them so they'll give you some more information to try to whittle down the suspects. Because ultimately you need to get the key, you need to get into the room with the appropriate suspect to open the jewelry box and get the, the ring back before the evil wizard destroys the town. That's it. So you're rolling a die, you're moving, trying not to get captured by this ghost that's also moving around, and just doing a little bit of deduction. So it's a lightweight kids deduction game. Um I like it. It's it's not the greatest game in the world, but man, I think it's fun. It's a stupid, fun little game that I'm glad we have, and 
I kind of want to play it right now. So, <laughs> what do you think? What do you think of this uh, this game? I want to point out that you and our youngest daughter played it three times and could not win any time. We didn't need to say how many times until okay. I played, and then we won. <laughs> In our defense. We were getting bad die rolls. Oh, sure. And then when I played with everyone again, we won again because I was there. On an, on medium, which was cool. I can't wait to play it on hard. We'll see how good you are then, huh? <laughs> oh, I think we see a pattern. <laughs> You're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is fun. It's like um, like a Clue Jr., but it has the gimmick of the electronic talking box. Um, there is a little bit more, maybe a little bit more to it than your super basic game. Because you have to, an animal in a room will tell you what kind of food they want, but you have to find it and remember to go back and you have to actually have it to give it to the animal to get a clue. Um, you know, it's it's a timed kind of thing. So you can't just like do to do, walk through and talk to everybody and find everything. Um, the evil wizard will come and take over the kingdom, which I don't understand because that seems like a contradictory storyline to the missing ring. Don't think about it too much. Don't, <laughs> don't think about it. So I'm like uh, a little confused here. However, um, I, yeah, it's it's fun and it's something that we can play with our kids. Um, but it's still fun as an adult because it has the gimmick of this talking box, and you know it's fun to push the animal and push what like what you want to do in the room. Do you want to search the room, uh, which is a common theme in a lot of games? And then what do you do with what you found? So. Uh, the art is super cheesy. Oh, it's awful. It's terrible. <laughs> it's really bad. It's terrible. Yeah. Um, not that I feel like most Ravensburger games have great art, to be honest. But it is cutesy. It reminds me of like broom service look to it. Yeah, it does. It, it has that same kind of kind of feel. Um, but yeah, it's fun. I like it. I'd play it again. Sure. Yeah, it's it's silly. I mean, it's it's not a good game really but it, it's enjoyable and it's fun so i don't really care that much <laughs> um and uh some of the rooms have magical items in there you can go in there and see what they do and i thought that the magic item always did the same thing but as i've played they do switch it up on occasion which is pretty cool too so it's not the same same thing that happens all the time which is nice <sighs> the more you know the more you know all right so those are three of the games we played let's get moving on Okay, so we talked about the animals that were in the rooms of who was it. And I was talking with Jason, and I'm like, man, we've covered all of these, like, newer game categories or, like, topics for the past um, couple of podcasts. I was thinking, I want to dive into our older games. And so we started thinking about, you know, what things we love in our older games. And one of them is there are a lot of games about animals. And you can look at animals in a variety of ways. For me, when I picked my games, I picked about games that were centered around the animals themselves, um, like building habitats for them or having the animals, like their lives are happening or whatever. Because there are some others that I'm like, well, there are animals in this game, but they're like the characters rather than the game actually being about the animals. So these are our top five favorite games about animals yeah so i didn't pick animals as like the the focal point of the game like you know it's an animal building a house or whatever i I didn't pick that i picked games that just have animals in them that i also happen to like so the first one that i picked is a stefan feld game and this is one of his lighter games and this one's called la isla this is a game where you're taking on some adventurers or some scientists 
and you're going around, you're going to this island, and you're trying to discover, capture, test, whatever word you want to use, five different species of animals. They're new animals that you're discovering or that you want to learn more about. And the way you're doing that is you're getting, you're placing workers down on the board. And if you could surround an animal, you collect it. The more animals you collect of a certain type, the more points they're going to be worth. You're going to be animals times this track and you're going to score a pile of points. So it's not directly about the animals doing things, but it's about people trying to research animals. So that's kind of why I picked it. So my first one, La Isla. I have never played this game and I thought it was about something else completely different. No, that's the theme, I think. I'm not sure. I thought it was like island life or something because of the name. No, it's it's researchers. Researchers on an island, on the oh. island. Yeah. Interesting. Kind of like Galapagos is the feel it is kind of giving mm-hmm. you, but it's not. You're not. There's no turtles and stuff. It's just weird creatures that you're looking for. Oh, okay. Um, My first pick is focused on animals, and that game is Zoo Loretto. We have talked about this game. Zoo Loretto is where you have a zoo. And you need to fill your zoo with animals. In order to do that, you are pulling animals on these cardboard chits from a bag, placing them on trucks, and then you draft from the trucks to fill the different pens in your zoo. And there are obviously restrictions. Only one type of animal per pen. There are also gendered animals, so they could have babies animals, which is cute. And so you want to fill your pens to make the most points based on having the most animals and pins. You don't want to have random animals just sit hanging out in your barn. Those are negative points. You can have little kiosks around your zoo to make it appealing. But this game is focused on take these little animals. Now, the artwork is not great, to be honest. The box itself looks like an old, like, National Geographic Kids. Like Yeah, it does. It's pretty bad. Magazine. But... Uh, the game is really fun, and you find yourself like, oh, I want to collect these pandas. These pandas are cute. Like, look, I made a baby panda. And you're like, I'm getting excited over these cardboard chits that have terrible graphics on them. But you do, and you're like, hey, what are you doing taking all the monkeys? Like, I need the monkeys in my zoo. Um, it become, You become surprisingly obsessed with these little cardboard animals, and I think that that just shows you how fun the game is. So my first pick is Zuloretto. All right, so my next pick is about animals. It's almost strictly just about the animals. No, it's not. Yes, it is. It's about chickens. It's about their poop. The chickens are the ones pooping and then walking around. (laughs) It's called Jim Hens. So this is a game about somehow the farmer gets these hens to lay uh, Fabergé eggs, I guess. That's the theme. Mm -hmm. But really what's happening is you're taking on the role of this little chicken and you're moving around this grid and you're pooping out gems and you're collecting gems and you're fighting other chickens to get out of the way so you can get their gems it's a set collection game with a little bit of chicken movement uh you can get some special powers that help your chickens do different things but at the end of the day you're getting different colored gems to put in your fabergé egg to score a pile of points that's it um i like this game it's it's really not like the greatest game in the world but it's fun and i like the way that it looks and i think chickens pooping out uh gems is really funny so uh had to be on my list. So my second one, gem hens. I, like, I don't know still if they're pooping out the gems, if they're scratching the dirt and digging up the gems. I have no idea. I don't know. Pooping's, pooping's funnier. I played it once and I still don't understand the game. <laughs> you don't understand the game? You don't understand the theme? Both. Oh. I understand a Fabergé egg, but... That's- yeah, I, I wouldn't think too much about the theme. <laughs> I just put it on here because it was chickens. <laughs> So my second pick is also about birds, but it's more focused on birds. 
And not his wingspan. Um, I don't like birds. I'm going to confess right now. If you love birds, <sighs> bless your heart. I mean, um, that's fine. That's your choice. I will not let you make decisions for me because I think your judgment is flawed. But I hate birds. I'm sorry. I'm saying it right now. Hot topic. I hate birds. I love wingspan. Because um, it's a tableau building game where you have a bajillion, <laughs> it feels like bird cards, that you can have in your hand. But it's so simple in that there are only four actions you can take on a turn. You can play a bird. You can gather food. You can lay eggs. You can take cards. That's it. But the beauty of the game is, is you have to collect food because to play a bird, you have to have the food that it eats. And you have to put it in the habitat that it belongs in. And each of those habitats, as you put birds in there, increases the power of the actions you're taking. You're, I like to build this engine where these birds are like helping me gather more birds or lay more eggs or get more food. And it's just like this great, like puzzly, engine-y thing of gathering points in whatever way you can based on the cards and birds that you get. Components, awesome. Artwork, awesome. Every card is different. I've taught this to all kinds of people. And at first they're like, whoa, this is a heavy game. And they start playing it and they're like, man, this is good. Okay, I get it. I get it. Like a round or two in, they're like, oh, okay, I get what we're doing. I get what we're doing. And they just, by the end, they're like, oh, I got this whole strategy now. They got like this whole thing going. Um, I, I've had at least three people buy this game <laughs> after playing it with me. They suffered through the first round and they're like, oh, I get this. And I think there's something so great. Some people really like birds and there are interesting facts on there about the birds and the, the pictures are really awesome. And I just think it just has this really great appeal while also being a family weight game that can get crunchy if you want to get crunchy. So, um, yeah, my pick is Wingspan. Yeah, that's a good one. That probably fits the theme better than any of the other ones. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, okay, so the next one on my list, we actually had a conversation about. <laughs> because, a, a discussion. Yeah, I wanted to know if a dinosaur counts as an animal. I know it's a thing. It's a creature. It's a, what, a reptile. Not a reptile. What are yes, they? Yes, reptiles. Yeah, but is that considered an animal? When you have like that game, like what is it? Animal, vegetable, mineral? It's got to be animal. Yeah, that's true. So I, I don't know. I don't remember what Katie said, but I put it on my list anyway. And apparently she agrees with me and we'll get to that. <laughs> yes. Um, so so the, my next one is a game called Draftosaurus. So what this game is, I've only played it one time, but I really like it. It's a, a fast little filler game where you're basically reaching into this bag and getting, I think you're pulling out like three or four different dinos. The dinosaur shapes are going to be going into this little, onto this board that you have into different pins. The pins may want to have all of one kind of dinosaur. It may want just a single Tyrannosaurus Rex. It may want red ones or pink ones. I don't, I don't really remember because I only played it one time. But you're trying to draft these dinosaurs out of these bags to get the uh, dinosaurs that you want. So when you pull a hand out, you're going to keep one and pass it around as a drafting game. Hence the name Draftosaurus. And then once you have all the spaces in your pin filled, the game is over. And you're going to score. It's a really simple game, but I really like it. You pull... I like pulling stuff out of a bag, and it makes the drafting a little more fun when you get to pull stuff out of a bag. And all the dinosaurs are different shapes, which is pretty cool, too. So my number three, or my third one, I guess not number three, I didn't number them. But my third one, Draftosaurus. Yeah, I really like this game, too. Like, why don't we own this? I don't know. It, like, came and went. I don't know how easy it is to find, actually. It says that you can buy it on Amazon for $20. Oh, well, there you go. Buy it. I'll buy it's uh, Antoine Bauza, Ludovic Montblanc. Oh, yeah. 
It's got I, some good names in it. I like it. So I agreed that dinosaurs are animals. Just because they're extinct doesn't mean that they are animals. I mean, they're not people. So I'm like, yeah, sure. So I also went with dinosaurs, and my third one is Dinosaur Island. I haven't talked about Dinosaur Island in a while, but that doesn't mean that it hasn't still had have a like it doesn't still have a place in my heart because this game is really really good it is jurassic park ip without the ip you have are running a dinosaur park and not just running the dinosaur park but you are um getting the dna to create dinosaurs to put in your park you've got to put them in pins you got to have the pins there the more exciting and dangerous the dinosaurs are the more people are going to come to your park which is like yes revenue also the greater the chance of someone getting chomped. So you're like, well, we got to have some kind of security for that. Um, so you got to balance the people that you hire. Like it's all these parts that I just think they work together so well. It's got this great like 90s neon stuff. We have, we actually have like some serious deluxified parts to this um, where we've got the different shaped dinosaur meeples because, you know, I'm a sucker for shaped meeple. Um, we got the water ones. Like, the idea, again, you're, like, developing these dinosaurs, taking care of that. Like, it's just it's just about taking care of animals. Now these animals could eat people and goats and all kinds of things. And that's okay. Because you, you just want to have a successful dinosaur park. And sometimes people wander too close to the fence. So, my choice, Dinosaur Island. Yeah, that's a good one. Um I, I knew you liked that one, so, yeah. That's why I put Draftosaurus on there, because I wanted to get a couple dino games. I like Draftosaurus, too. It's in our Amazon cart right now. All right, cool. <laughs> so my my next one is another Steffenfeld game. Who would have thought this guy has some games about animals? But hmm. this one is probably his lightest game. This is a game about an anteater. His name is uh, he, Anton. Like, Anton the Ant Aardvark or Anteater. I can't he has a name? Call. Yeah, I just looked it up. His name's Anton. And what he is trying to do is he is sticking his nose down to these different hills, ant hills, to try to eat termites. I don't know why they're termites and not ants, but so be it. Um, and effectively what this game is is you're rolling some dice. You're putting the die down on these, like, columns on these different ant or like ant hill cards. There's a certain number based on the number of players. And you're trying to get the majority in each of the columns to score some points whoever has the, the most majority which means the most pips score some points you're also going to get some bonuses if you can cover up some spa- certain spaces on the column you're going to be collecting different like um artifacts like you might find a shoe or a bone or something that the anteater digs up with his nose or trunk whatever they're called and proboscis um, that's it but the reason that it's on my my list it's a game about an anteater vaguely but there is an anteater on all the cards and on the box. And I thought that theme was cool. So that's why it's on my list. So my four, it happens. I know I played this. I don't remember it at all. It, it's not super memorable. That's probably why. <laughs> I do it, remember it's the fine. art was funny. Yeah. It's a kid's game, effectively. It, it's fine. Because wasn't there like, I feel like the comic, like BC, had like a, an anteater like that in a lot of the strips. You have no idea what yeah, I'm talking about, or do you? I, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. It, it looks similar to that, the art. Okay, so my next one also has kind of an odd animal, and it has wombats. And I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but true fact, I also have this confirmed by someone from Australia, thank you, Liz, that wombats poop square. And they do in this game called Wombat Rescue. 
So <laughs> in Wombat Rescue, you are Wombat and you're trying to get your babies from wherever they are out in the, I don't know, outback to home and not get eaten by dingoes because a dingo could eat your baby. In order to do this, you're making like, um, like a, what's, what do I want to call it? Not, not like a travel chain, but like a, what do we call that? Network. Yeah. No, is that what you call it? Like in, um, like in Moonshine Empire. Yeah, travel network. Yeah. Like a delivery network. But you're using your wombat poop, your square wombat poop, because you can, you recognize your scent. So you kind of mark your territory with your square wombat poop. And it helps you move further so you can get closer to your babies and bring them back and avoid the dango. The, the theme itself, classic, right? I mean, come on. Uh, the, the actual, like, production is really cool. I really like that. Um, I, I think the theme is fun. And it's like you're living the life of these animals. And it's there's scientific fact, man. You don't want dingoes eating your babies as a wombat and wombats do poop square. It's crazy interesting game it actually is fun to play too and there, you have to really think like where do i want to scatter these poop cubes and i have to you have to eat food in order to poop um to leave the cubes and how can i chain these together so i can move the farthest on my turn and avoid the dingo a lot of strategy involved with wombat poop so my <laughs> my choice is wombat rescue yeah this is a good one that game is silly it is silly it's a silly game uh, the last one I'm going to put on my official list is a game Katie already mentioned up in the very top. I did. One of the 10 highest grossing Kickstarters oh, was Everdell. So I put Everdell on my list. Not because of that. That just happens to be a coincidence. But Everdell is on my list. Or is it? This is about um, building up a little village of woodland critters and creatures and stuff. Yeah. Um, it's Redwall the houses. game. Yeah. They build houses. They... Um, have jobs, they want to get married, they play sports, all that stuff that regular people do, these animals do. But this <laughs> game is nothing but animals. That's it. It You even have animal little meeples that you're moving around doing some things with. So this was the first one that I thought of, but I just put it last on my list because I, I don't know why. But Everdell, great game, tableau builder, card game with really great production, really great art. Uh, we've talked about it before. If you haven't played it, it's worth playing once because it's really nice. It looks really nice and it's fun. So the last one I'm going to officially talk about is Everdell. It is. It's super pretty. We haven't played this for a while and I think that we need to bring that out. We could do that. My last one is also a very animal focused one. And I haven't talked about this one for a while because for those of you like OG listeners to the podcast, Joel talked about this game ad nauseum. Ad nauseum. And honestly, when we played it, I was like, fine, I'll play this game just to shut you up about it. But it's really fun. And that game is Happy Pigs. So in Happy Pigs, you are buying piglets. Um, you got to get them vaccinated, grow them up. Oh, yeah, you do really need to get them vaccinated. You That's do. Funny. You got to get, they yeah. can't get sick. Um, grow them up and then take them to market and turn them into bacon so that you have money to do it all over again. Um, the interesting thing about this is it's very, it sounds very simple. It's got really cute art also, by the way, but you all, it's simultaneous action selection and you want to choose an action that no one else does because then you get a greater return on the action that's more powerful for you. If you have to split it with someone else, it's not as great. So it's like kind of out thinking your opponent's like, Oh, what are they going to want to do? Is everyone going to sell? I won't get as much money if I sell when everybody else does, but Am I running out of room for my pigs? Like, is everyone going to buy vaccines? Are we just not going to do that? You know, um, 
it, it's it's surprisingly thinky for this silly little game about keeping your pigs happy. I think there's an expansion that has other animals. Yeah, it changes the game in no other way except it gives you different animals. Like chickens and sheep or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the artwork is really cute and it is a fun little game. And so my last choice for favorite animal games is Happy Pigs. So there are surprisingly a large number of games that deal with animals. It's like, I don't know why everyone talks about trading in the Mediterranean. We should talk about animals and animal husbandry. There are lots of games about that. So while those are kind of five of our favorites and ones that maybe don't get talked about as often, there are more that we definitely want to honorably mention. So a couple of my favorites, Detective Charlie, a new one. It's this a kid's deduction game. It wasn't enough animal centered, but it's got the most adorable animals in this town. Camel up. I mean, come on. That game, you know, we love it. Wooden Camels, Mountain Goats, great little filler game from BoardGameTables.com, Dice Chucking, and then you move up these cute goats. Camp Pine Top, such a cute little um, set collection game. Sakatsu, has got these beautiful birds. And Wooly Mammoth, which is a crazy game about Wooly Mammoths um, and Push Your Luck. We also have New Bedford, which is a game about whaling. Spends a lot of time doing some whaling stuff. It's kind of whales. the opposite of what I was going for on this theme, but sure. Yeah, but it does have a, it does have a lot of the emphasis on whales. Um, Takenoko, which has a normal little panda who eats bamboo and all that kind of thing. Lahav, uh, it has fish. It has cows. They might get slaughtered, but they're <laughs> everything in the game. gets slaughtered. This is terrible. <laughs> uh, Agricola, these don't get slaughtered, but there are they some can. animals in they this. They can. They can, but most of the time they live in your house with you and in happy harmony. Uh, and Ravenous River, which is a little game where you're taking on the role of an animal trying to get it across the river and not get on the same boat as your prey. That kind of thing. Um, when Jason mentioned La Isla, that kind of reminded me of On the Origin of Species, where you're kind of doing the Darwin journey on the Beagle, discovering new species. Cascadia, um, really great kind of tile drafting game. Lots of great animals in that one. Cat Lady, going to have the kitties. Um, Ecos. This is like a super underrated game. You're placing out different land types and then animals that go with that environment. And of course, we can't forget horse racing. <laughs> and there's Homestretch with all those adorable little horse meeples. So good. Uh, Calico, which is a, a new hotness. You're trying to build this um, different terrain with different animals to come live in certain patterns and all that kind of thing. No, no, the, they're not living there. It's like, or no calico. Sorry. I was thinking of, um, <laughs> I was Cascadia. Calico is about the cats and <laughs> yes. the quilting. Yes. Calico is about cats. Sorry. I was thinking of the other game. I was game. like, what, what game is this? Cascadia is not actually on here. So I'll throw Cascadia in there as well. It was, building... it was in the last part. I just talked about it. You oh, never right. listened yes. to me. Sorry. No, I did. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. So Calico, <laughs> good game about cats. Uh, the Alpha is a game about you're a, a wolf pack and you're trying oh. to be the most dominant wolf pack and just score a bunch of points. Oceans is a game about fish and the evolutionary life of fish, which is pretty cool. Evolution is about other creatures that are not sea animals. <laughs> yeah, not fish trying to live the evolutionary cycle and you know get new traits and all that kind of thing. Bunny Kingdom, about bunnies, area control with bunnies. That's cool. And Reef is a game about coral reef, or coral, which I guess coral is an animal, right? Yes, it's a living organism. Yeah, so Reef, it's all about coral reef, so that's why it's on here. 
and Cascadia. We didn't say Cascadia enough, so okay, let's so talk Cascadia about Cascadia. Cascadia is again. a game with animals, and <laughs> I, I honestly no, I didn't. I heard you go from on the origin of species to cat lady, and I must have just blacked out or something. I don't know. <laughs> it's COVID brain. <laughs> to be fair, I do not. I want to throw this in here, a disclaimer in here. We're not making light of anyone that has actually struggled with COVID and is currently sick, or anyone who knows someone who has died or been really sick from COVID. We're just glad that we were not, and we're counting our blessings. It's true. So that was the quick and dirty <laughs> list of games about animals, including Cascadia. In ca- <laughs> Cascadia. There's a game called Cascadia that's really good. And Calico's about cats. <laughs> that's true. It is. So you might need to help us. Please tell us what your favorite games are about animals. And maybe you want to make a case for a game that... Cascadia. For Cascadia or another game that I might dismiss. <laughs> um, so tell us on our Facebook, our group, hashtag The Riveted. So many great people. Like just sending uh, updates saying, hey, here's what I'm playing this weekend. And people are like, oh, it's a great game. Yeah, I love that game. Oh, you should look into this. I love that conversation. Keep it going there on Instagram. Send me pictures of your favorite animal games, especially if they're cute. I love that. Um, on the Twitters. And then, of course, commenting on YouTube. Maybe we'll do a video of Cascadia. <laughs> I already did it. Oh, Anyway, you can check that out on YouTube page and comment <laughs> on it and say, hey, this game's about animals. And not about, <laughs> it's not cats. about cats. It's animals. <laughs> wow. Um, this is apparently a zany episode. If, you, if people hung in this long, they're like, oh, my gosh, Katie and Jason, what's their freaking minds? It's true. We have. We've had a lot of time in, indoors with our kids. We're hanging on by a thread, <laughs> obviously. It's like, sometimes I feel like that's the, the greatest method of torture is spending a couple of weeks with your kids locked in your house. That sounds terrible. We love our children. We do. And I love when they go to school and give me a little bit of time by myself. We love our kids. We just like them more when they spend time away from us <laughs> yes, on occasion. Um, but thank, thank you guys for those well wishes for us getting better. We are better physically and maybe not mentally, but hey. One out of two, I guess, isn't that bad. We're still pretty okay. <laughs> That's true. I mean, you get what you pay for. We might have dropped to just okay on this episode. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I'll, I'll work my magic in the editing booth. Oh, man. We got to make sure we tag the publishers of Cascadia. We've only mentioned them like 15 <laughs> times. <laughs> Sorry, true. Jamie Stegmeyer. I love you, too. I talked about Wingspan. It's the same publisher as Calico, so they're getting double uh... <laughs> And double exposure. <laughs> That's right. Both good games. Both good games. Before this goes any further, let's wrap this up. I've been Katie. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody. Keep gaming. Especially with Cascadia. Because <laughs> it's about animals.